بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا غفر الله لنا ولشيخنا وللحاضرين والمستمعين يقول الامام المجدد الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى في كتابته في كتابه ادب المشي الى الصلاه وقال صحت صلاه الخوف عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من سته اوجه او سبعه كلها جائزه واما حديث سهل فانا اختاره وهي صلاه ذات الرقاع طائفه صفت معه وطائفه وجاه العدو فصلى بالتي معه ركعه ثم ثبت قائما واتم لانفسهم ثم انصرفوا وصفوا وجاه العدو وجاءت الطائفه الاخرى فصلى بهم الركعه التي بقيت من صلاته ثم ثم ثبت جالسا واعتموا لانفسهم ثم سلم بهم متفق عليه وله ان يصلي بكل طائفه صلاه ويسلم من بها رواه احمد وابو داود والنسائي ويستحب حمل السلاح فيها لقوله تعالى وليأخذوا أسلحتهم ولو قيل بوجوبه لكان له وجه لقوله تعالى ولا جناح عليكم إن كان بكم أذى من مطر أو كنتم مرضى أن تدعوا أسلحتكم وإذا اشتد الخوف صلوا رجالا وركبانا مستقبلي القبلة مستقبل القبلة وغير مستقبليها لقوله تعالى فإن فإن خفتم فرجالا أو ركبانا يومئون يومئون إماء بقدر الطاقة ويكون السجود أخفذ من الركوع ولا تجوز جماعة إذا لم تمكن المتابعة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ونشهد ان محمدا عبد الله وخليله ورسوله ارسله رحمه للعالمين فبلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في الله حق جهاده صلوات الله وسلامه عليه ورضوانه جل وعلا على صحابة محمد الذين نقلوا هذا الدين إلينا آمنوا برسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهاجروا معه وإليه وجاهدوا معه وبعد فنشروا راية الإسلام في أفاق الدنيا فاللهم ارضى عنهم أجمعين وجعلنا صادقين في محبتهم وانفعنا بذلك جميعا يا رب العالمين وبعد يقول المؤلف شيخ الاسلام محمد بن عبد الوهاب صحت صلاه الخوف عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من سته اوجه او سبعه كلها جائز او كلها جائزه ثم قال واما حديث سهل فانا اختاره حديث سهل رضي الله عنه هي الصلاه ذات الرقاع وتسميتها بذات الرقاع كان الصحابه ليس عليهم خفاف ولا نعال وحفيت اقدامهم 
فصاروا يلفون عليها رقاع خرق فسميت تلك الغزوه بغزوه ذات الرقاع هذه الصلاه في حديث سهل صلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وصفت طائفه معه وطائفه مستقبله للاعداء الكفار المشركون المشركين فصلى بالتي معه ركعه واحده ثم ثبت قائما لما صلى الركعه فقضوا لانفسهم اتموا الركعه الثانيه وتشهدوا لها فسلموا ثم اتت الركعه الطائفه التي بقيت مواجهه العدو فصلى بهم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الركعه التي بقيت من صلاته دخلوا معه في الصلاه فادى بهم ركعه هي الباقيه من صلاته وهي الاولى من صلاتهم ثم ثبت جالسا لما انهاها واتموا لانفسهم ركعتهم الثانيه ثم سلم بهم هذا الحد هذا الخبر متفق عليه رواه البخاري ومسلم وغيرهما بهذه الصفه فيها اعمال ما كانت مالوفه لولا ما هم فيه من الخوف الصحابه صلوا صلاه هي صلاه الظهر فتحادث الاعداء قالوا سوف تاتي صلاه هي اهم شيء عندهم اذا دخلوا في الصلاه نهجم عليهم فانزل الله جل وعلا على نبيه كيفيه صلاه الخوف فلما جاء الصلاه الثانيه دخل بهم بهذه الكيفيه دخل باسم من المجاهدين معه وبقيت الطائفة الأخرى لم تدخل معه في الصلاة فصلى بمن معه ركعة كاملة قرأ فيها ثم ركع ثم رفع وشدد وأكمل السجود ثم قام وبقي فكملوا لأنفسهم الركعة هم قرأوا الفاتحة وركعوا ورفعوا وسجدوا وكمروا السجود في ركعتهم ركعتهم الثانيه التي لم يسر النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم معهم فيها ثم سلموا وذهبوا الى موقع اخوانهم مواجهه العدو لان العدو ليس بينهم وبين القبله فلما ثبتوا جاء الذين لم يدخلوا مع النبي فأدوا ركعة مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى بهم ركعته الأخيرة وهي بهم الركعة الأولى ثم لما أنهى ركعته هو بقي جالس في التشهد هم قاموا من ركعتهم هذه ليأتون بالركعة الباقية لهم فقاموا 
وعدوا الرفعة ثم ركعوا ورفعوا منها ثم نزلوا وسجدوا ثم لما سجدوا أتم بهم الصلاة وسلم وسلموا معه هذه الصلاة تؤكد أهمية الجماعة لو كان يمكن أن يصلوا فرادا ما احتاجوا إلى جماعة ولا احتاجوا إلى هذا التشكيل الجديد الذي إنما نزل على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صورة كيفيته عندما تحدث الأعداء بأن يهجموا على المسلمين إذا دخلوا في عبادتهم فيقول شيخ الإسلام هذا حديث سهل هذا أحب إلي يعني إذا أمكن أن يؤتابه وبقية الصور وردت فيها الأحاديث ست صور أو سبع كلها وردت في كتب في كتاب كتب الحديث سردوا فيها يصلي مع آخرين أنواع لكن لا داعي للدخول في شيء ليس معنا الآن في هذا الشيء الشيخ الإسلام اختار هذه الصورة وهي في تلك الحالة هي الأنسب لكن إذا كان العدو في واجهة واحدة يصير لها حالا أخرى إذا وفق الإنسان وأراد أن يتوسع في العلم وينظر في أحوال الناس نحن لا نيأس أن سوق الجهاد سوف تكون في يوم من الأيام حقيقة الآن سوق الجهاد غير موجودة لأن المسلمين الآن لم يضبطوا دينهم حقيقة حتى يحصلوا على النصر من الله جل وعلا في الذهاب لدعوة الآخرين وهدايتهم ومجاهدتهم يقول هنا ثم ثبت جالسين إلى آخره ثم سلم بهم لما عدوا ركعتهم مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم التي أتموا قبلها ركعة وهو باقي أتموها سلم بهم صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول هذا الحديث متفق عليه يقول وله أن يصلي بكل طائفة صلاة ويسلم بها صورة أخرى يصلي بالطائفة الأولى الركعتين يؤديها كاملة ثم يسلم بهم ثم تأتي الطائفة التي لم تحضر وتدخل معه فيصلي بهم ركعتين أيضا هو يصلي بهم يأمهم هم في فرضهم وهو متطوع نافلة فتصح أن يكون الشخص يأم ناسا بالفريضة وهو متنفل كالذي كان يفعله معاذ يصلي مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في أيام الراحة ولا قتال فيها يصلي مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم إذا ذهب إلى قومه صلى بهم العشاء هو هو يتنفل نافلة وقومه يصلي بهم فريضة فقال هنا وله أن يصلي بكل طائفة صلاة ويسلم بها
وهو أحمد وأبو ذر ويستحب حمل السلاح إذا كان بالإمكان أن يحملوا السلاح وهم يصلون فعليهم أن يحملوه فإذا لم يمكن فيأتي إيضاح ذلك قال ويستحب حمل السلاح لقوله تعالى وليأخذوا أسلحتهم ولو قيل بوجوبه لأن هذا أمر الله قال وليأخذوا والأصل في العوامر الإلهية من رب العباد أنها للوجوب إلا إذا دل دليل على أنها ليست بواجبة فإذا لم يوجد دليل فالأصل وجوبها ولو في الآخرة ولا جناح عليكم هكذا لقوله تعالى ولا جناح عليكم إن كان بكم أذى من مطر أو كنتم مرضى أن تضعوا أسلحتكم يعني ما تحملونها إذا كنتم في وضع يشق عليكم حملها بالمطر وغير ذلك فلا حرج عليكم لكن بشرط أن تكونوا قادرين على ملاحظة احتمالات هجوم الأعداء عليكم وإذا لم يمكن للناس أن يصلوا جماعة بحيث لا يستطيعون صلوا فرادا ولو إلى غير القبلة قال وإذا اشتد الخوف صلوا رجالا وركبانا مستقبلي القبلة وغير وغير مستقبليها لقوله تعالى فإن خفتم فإن خفتم فرجالا أو ركبانا بما بأي صورة يومي كل واحد بركوعه ثم في السجود أخفض ولو إلى غير القبلة ولذلك لا يصح للإنسان أن يؤخر الصلاة عن وقتها بحجة أنه لا يستطيع إذا كان يخشى كأن يكون الإنسان مطلوبا من أعداء يريدون قتله فهو فار أو كان يريد أن يستدرك أعداء فروا منه بأمر لا بد من استنقاذه يجري وراءهم ويصلي الصلاة ولو إلى غير القبلة ولو بغير ركوع حقيقي وسجود حقيقي لأن الله يقول جل وعلا فاتقوا الله ما استطعتم يعني عدوا العبادة بقدر المستطاع قال يوميون إيماء بقدر الطاقة ويكون السجود أخفض من الركوع ولا تجوز جماعة إذا لم تكن إذا لم تمكن المتابعة إذا لم يستطيع المصلون أن يتابعوا إمامهم فيما يؤديه لم تصح الصلاة منه بل يصلي كل واحد على فرضه فأسأل الله جل وعلا أن لا يرينا الالتجاء إلى صلاة الخوف وأن يمكننا من أداء صلواتنا بدون خوف نخشى معه ما يخشاه الخائفون كما نسأله جل وعلا أن يوفقنا جميعا لحسن التمسك بأدائه فرائض هذا الدين التي هي أعظم العبادات لأنها عبادة يناجي المتعبد يناجي ربه فيها يخاطبه إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين 
يعني خطاب المواجهه فاسال الله ان يحقق لنا كل خير ويصرف عنا جل وعلا بمنه كل شر انه مجيب الدعاء والحمد لله رب العالمين. The Sheikh Hafizullah Ta'ala began in the name of Allah we praise him. We seek his assistance and we seek his forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil of our deeds and we bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, he is alone and he has no partners and we bear witness that Muhammad is his Khalil and his messenger the one that Allah sent as a mercy to mankind he gave the message, he fulfilled the trust and he fought the true fighting in the way of Allah may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and may Allah be pleased with his companions, those who believed in him and uh, migrated to him and uh, migrated after him and uh, uh, those who fought uh, with him and after him until the religion was spread in all parts of the world. May Allah be pleased with them and make us sincere in our love for them. The author Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab Rahim Allah Ta'ala, he mentioned in this portion of the treaties that the, the prayer of fear is authentically reported from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or six different um, uh, examples or instances were reported, six or seven different instances um, were reported from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and all of them are accepted. And the author Rahimullah Ta'ala mentioned the hadith of Sahal radiallahu ta'ala anhu um, and it's described as that al um, and the reason why it's described that because the companions during this particular battle they did not have any footwear they did not have shoes they did not have sandals so it, it's described um, with that description and in this hadith it took place that the Prophet Wasallam stood with a group of his companions and this is during one of the battles the Prophet Wasallam stood with a group of his companions and uh, another group was facing the enemy another group so the Prophet والسلام, he divided the army into two groups one group uh, was praying with the Prophet Wasallam, and the other group was facing the enemy um, the Prophet ﷺ prayed the first unit of prayer with one of the groups. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ prayed one uh, unit of prayer with one of the groups. And then the Prophet ﷺ stood up for the second unit of prayer. When the Prophet ﷺ stood up for the second unit of prayer, the group that was praying behind him, they completed the second unit by themselves. They completed the second rak'ah by themselves. Uh, they made the ruku'ah, they made the, the, the sujood, and they made the taslim and they left the salah. While the Prophet ﷺ continued standing. When the group that was praying behind the Prophet ﷺ uh, completed the prayer, the Prophet ﷺ is still standing. He's still standing for the second rak'ah. So while the Prophet ﷺ is still standing, the group that was facing the enemy, they joined the prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ led them in his second unit, but there, their first unit. He led them in his second unit of the, of the prayer, but it's their first unit. And he completed the ruku'ah. He completed the unit of the prayer with them. 
until the Prophet ﷺ, because it's only two units, the Prophet ﷺ stood for the tashahud. When the Prophet ﷺ sat, when the Prophet ﷺ sat for the tashahud, there's still one more unit for this group that's behind him. So while the Prophet is sitting for the tashahud, this group stands and they complete another unit. So they they stand and they complete their second unit. And then, so they complete the rukur, they complete the sujood, and then they sit with the Prophet ﷺ and they complete the prayer with him. And they completed the prayer with him. And this is authentically reported in Sahih Bukhari and in Sahih Muslim. The Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, these actions that were done in this prayer, um, they were something that were not known. It was something which was foreign to the Sahaba. And if it was not a state of fear, it would have not been conducted. The reason why it was conducted, because it was a state of, it was a fear. It was a state of fear. And the reason why this form of prayer was allowed for the Prophet ﷺ was because the enemies during this battle, uh, the Prophet ﷺ had gotten word that the enemies were saying that there's going to come a time and he, during this battle, there's going to come a time that they're going to pray and their prayer is more beloved to them than anything. So let's wait until they, be, they enter into their prayer. And then we, would, uh, then we would fight them. Then we would charge them. So uh, when the enemies uh, began to speak like this, Allah Azawajal revealed this uh, description of the prayer to His Messenger wasallam. So once the next prayer came, um, the Prophet ﷺ divided his army into two groups. One group faced the enemy, and the other group prayed with the Prophet ﷺ. And the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, he, re, re, he mentioned uh, the second time the same description. He said, so the Prophet ﷺ divided his group into two, uh, he divided his army into two groups. One group faced the enemy, so they were standing on guard, and the other group prayed one unit with the Prophet ﷺ, and then he stood up, and they finished their prayer alone. They finished their prayer alone, and then the second group came, and they joined the Messenger ﷺ, completing the prayer with the Messenger ﷺ. Now, so then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so this description of the prayer, the fact that it was prayed in congregation, it shows you the importance of prayer in congregation. It shows you the importance of prayer and congregation. If it was permissible uh, for ind individuals to uh, not pray in congregation, uh, this would be the time that it would be permissible. But even in the state of fear, um, the, the, the origin is that the Muslims pray in congregation. Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, that the author... Uh, that the author, and it was um, Shaykh al-Islam, he mentioned that this description, and the Shaykh mentioned Hafiz Allah Ta'ala, that there are many other forms, which uh, are descriptions, six or seven, as the author mentioned. But this was the one that uh, the author mentioned he prefers. This was the one that the author mentioned he prefers. And uh, the Shaykh Hafiz Allah Ta'ala said, all of them are authentically reported in books of hadith. They are authentically reported in books of the hadith, but it is not something that we will discuss in detail right now. And he said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, it's possible that if the situation changes, if the circumstances are different, if the enemy is in a different position, it's possible that you would do those other forms. 
it's possible that you would do those other forms. Then he said, if an individual wanted to uh, learn more about this, um, then it, he could uh, research those other forms. But then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, um, the present state of affairs is that we don't have a legislative jihad being, being, being conducted now. This is the present state of affairs. But we do not despair. He said, we do not despair. And he said, no. So he said, but we do not despair that there will be uh, jihad and uh, this type of prayer has to be conducted. Then he mentioned Abib Allah Ta'ala, but because of the Muslims not implementing uh, uh, their religion as, as it should be implemented, we don't have, uh, in general, we don't have individuals going abroad and calling others to the religion of Allah. And likewise, we don't have armies going abroad and fighting uh, the, the, the legislated jihad. Then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. Um, he went back to the, the book with the author, mentioned about the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam standing in the prayer and then the companions uh, completing the prayer themselves. And this is, like he said, it's reported in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. Then he said there's another a version which is reported, authentically reported, and that is that the Prophet ﷺ prayed two units. This is the second version of the prayer. That the Prophet ﷺ prayed two units and he completed it with one group. So once again, he divides the army into two groups. One group is facing the enemy and one group is with the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ prays two complete units of prayer with them. And he completes the prayer with them. And he completes the prayer with them. And then he stands up once again and the group that was praying with him, they uh, face the enemy. And the group that was facing the enemy, they, they, they enter a new prayer with the, they enter a new prayer with the Prophet ﷺ and he prays two more units of prayer. And what is done here is that the Prophet ﷺ, the first time he prayed was obligatory. That was the obligatory prayer. And he did it with one group. Completed it. The second was uh, superiorgatory for the Prophet and it was obligatory for the second group. So once again, the Prophet ﷺ did the same thing. He divided them into two groups. One group and both groups, he, he prays a complete prayer with them. The first group, he's praying the Fad prayer with them. And the second group, the Prophet ﷺ is praying superiorgatory and they are praying the fart. So he completes two units with both groups. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, this is uh, permissible, it's acceptable for the Imam to his intention to be superiorgatory and those who are praying behind him to be obligatory as it took place with Mu'adh bin Jabal. Um, and this wasn't at a time of war. This wasn't at a time of war. That Mu'adh used to pray the obligatory prayer with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then he would go to his people and he would lead them in the prayer. So Mu'adh was praying uh, the superiorgatory, that was his intention, but his people were praying the obligatory. So that it shows it's permissible for there to be a difference of, of, of intention between the Imam and his followers. So in that second example that the Shaykh mentioned, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the Prophet ﷺ prayed the obligatory prayer once with one group, and then he prayed two more units with the other group, but he wasn't, his intention wasn't an obligation, but it was an obligation for them. Then the author, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, mentioned about uh, the carrying of the weapon. The carrying of, of the weapon. And he informed that if the person has the ability to do so, they should do so. 
They should do so if they have the ability. And the Sheikh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, Naam, if the person, if the, the army has the ability to carry their weapons, they should do so. And uh, the author mentioned, if, if a person were to say that it's obligatory, he would have some justification in saying that. The reason why is because Allah Azza in the Quran, uh, Allah says in the Quran, وَلْيَحْهُذُوا أَسْلِحَتَهُمْ Allah says in the Quran in Surah An-Nisa, let them take their weapons. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the origin of the orders in the Quran is that they in form of an obligation. When uh, an order is mentioned in the Quran, this indicates an obligation, except if you have another proof, except if you have another proof informing that it's recommended, not an obligation. So what we, understood, what we understand from the verse is that carrying the weapon is an obligation. So um, um, as long as the person has the ability to do so, meaning as long as you holding the weapon doesn't harm you or it, it's difficult for you, such as in the case of, uh, such as in the case of it's raining or other than that, um, then you should carry the weapon. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but even in carrying the weapon, um, there's a condition. And that is, the carrying of the weapon doesn't uh, prevent you from monitoring uh, the enemy. It should not prevent you from monitoring the enemy. If it prevents you from monitoring the enemy, then you shouldn't carry the weapon. Um, then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, as it relates to the prayer in congregation, as it relates to the prayer in congregation uh, in a state of fear. It's obligatory. It's obligatory that the prayer is performed in congregation in a state of fear, as long as the Muslims have the ability to do so. If the Muslims do not have, if the Muslim army does not have the ability to pray in congregation because of their, uh, their, their position or because of the state of the, of the war, then they have to pray individually. Then they have to pray individually and this is even if they have to turn, even if they have to deviate from the Qibla. Even if they have to de deviate from the Qibla. Um, and the author, Rahimah Ta'ala, he mentioned, if you are in a state of fear, as it's mentioned in the verse, فَرِجَالًا uh, وَرُكْبَانًا uh, You can pray on your, on your, while standing on your feet, or even riding your, your, your riding beast. So, uh, the origin is that they pray standing, but once again, uh, due to the severity of the situation, if they have to uh, be on their, on, the, on their riding beast, or if they have to deviate from the Qibla, it is permissible for them to do so because of the, the situation. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, and so we also understand from this, that it's obligatory that the Salat is performed at its proper time. That the Salat should be performed at its proper time. And it is not permissible for a person to delay the Salat or allow the time for the salat to, to leave because of the situation. No, it's still obligatory for him to pray. And he said at its proper time. He said, for example, um, even if you're being chased by the enemy, even if you're being chased by the enemy and you're trying to flee, or, the, or you're chasing the enemy, or you're chasing the enemy, it's still obligatory for you to pray. Even if, the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, even if you are chasing the enemy and the Qibla is behind you, so you don't have the ability to face in the direction of the Qibla because you're in pursuit of the enemy, it's still obligatory for you to pray. 
even in a direction other than the direction of the, the, the Qibla. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, and if you have the ability to make the ruku' and the sujood, once again it's obligatory. But if because of, once again, because of the situation, you don't have the ability to make the ruku' or the sujood, then the, they should still pray, but they lower their backs, they lower their heads. As Allah Azawajal said in the Quran, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ Fear Allah to the best of your ability. And that's what the author mentioned about the sujood being slightly lower than the... Uh, slightly lower than the, the ruku' and the likes of that. That's if, basically the author is saying, if a person doesn't have the ability to make the complete sajda, or to make the complete ruku', that they should still do some movement, but it should be a slight, slight movement of the head or slight movement of the back, but not the complete ruku' or the sujood. Then the author mentioned, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, that it is not permissible to pray the congregational, the prayer in congregation, if you cannot follow the imam. If you cannot follow the imam. So the shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, no, the, the, the congregational prayer is not accepted unless the, the congregation is following the imam. So if the people who are behind the imam don't have the ability to follow the imam, then they pray individually. They do not pray with the imam. Then the shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala concluded with uh, supplication. We ask Allah Azza wa to allow us to have uh, 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 perfect or accurate uh, adherence to the sunnah and we ask uh, Afwan, adherence to fulfilling this obligation, which is from the greatest acts of, of, of worship, yani the prayer, and because indeed the individual when he is praying, he is calling on his Lord. As when one says, na'budu, indeed it is you we worship. So the individual is actually speaking to Allah Azawajal, so we ask Allah Azawajal to make us from amongst those who correctly implement this act of worship. ونحن في شهر الله المحرم والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أفضل الصلاة الصيام بعد رمضان في شهر الله المحرم ويوم غدا هو اليوم التاسع حسب ما ثبت في رؤية الهلال هو اليوم التاسع من شهر الله المحرم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثبت في الصحيح أنه كان يصوم في الجاهلية يوم عاشوراء والمتعبدون أيضا في العرب من العرب يصومون لكن لم يذكروا السبب في ذلك قد يكون هذا بقي من معرفة أبناء إسماعيل لما حصل ليعقوب لموسى لكن ثبت في الصيح أن النبي كان يصوم عاشوراء في مكة في الجاهلية ثبت هذا من حديث عائشة رضي الله عنها ومن حديث عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنه كل ذلك في الصحيح النبي لما هاجر إلى المدينة وجد الناس يصومون اليهود يبدو أنه ما كان عنده معرفة عن السبب الذي 
يصوموه العرب في جاهليتهم فسالهم النبي عن هذا الشاء اليوم ما الذي قالوا هذا يوم انجى الله فيه موسى وقومه واغرق او اهلك فرعون وقومه فنحن فصامه موسى شكرا فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نحن اولى منكم بموسى واوجب صيامه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الزم من اصبح غير صائم ان يدخل في الصيام ومن اكل فليمسك بقيه يومه عن الاكل صياما ثم لما نزل رمضان نزلت التشريع بصيام رمضان قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم للناس من شاء صام يوم عاشوراء النبي يقول عن صيام يوم عاشوراء والصيام يوم عرفه قال احتسب على في صيام يوم عرفه احتسب على الله ان يجعله يكفر به السنه الماضيه والسنه القادمه هذا في يوم عرفه وقال عن صيام يوم عاشوراء احتسب على الله ان يكفر بصيام يوم عاشوراء السنه الماضيه ثم النبي حريص على ان يخالف اليهود في اخر حياته قال لئن بقيت او عشت الى قابل لاصومن التاسع والعاشر فيبدو انه لم يصوم التاسع ما بقي توفي صلى الله عليه وسلم قبل يعني قد يكون قضى لانه اكد على الناس ان يصوموا في الاول ويصومون اولادهم الصغار واذا انهم ارادوا طعاما او شرابا عللوهم حتى ينسوا او يناموا حتى يتم يتم لهم الصيام فلما اوجب الله الصيام برمضان خفف وجعله نافلة مؤكدة هذا من جانب من جانب ان ثبت ان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال خالف اليهود صوموا يوما قبله او يوما بعده وفي لفظ صوموا يوما قبله ويوما بعده فهذه الايام الثلاثة صيامها لمن سهل عليه ان يصوم مراقب فيها اليوم عن عشرة أيام فهذا خير كثير أحب أن أذكر هذا الشيء حتى من يريد أن يهم أن يصوم التاسع الذي هم به النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ولم يدركه والعاشر فيكون يصوم يومين إن أراد أن يكثر التعامل مع الله فليصوم ثلاثة وذلك خير كثير فأسأل الله أن يوفقنا جميعا لما يحب ويرضى. أحسن الله إليك. The Sheikh Habib Al-Tala mentioned that we are presently in the month of Muharram and 
The Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the best fasting after Ramadan is the month of Muharram. And tomorrow is the ninth day uh, according to the, the, the sighting of the, of the moon. Tomorrow would be the ninth day of Muharram. And it's authentically reported that the Prophet ﷺ used to fast even before Islam. The Prophet ﷺ used to fast the day of Ashura. And uh, what's apparent is that uh, the people of Mecca, they were not aware of this reason. Of, they, were, they did not know the details behind fasting this day. And it's possible, the Shaykh Habib mentioned that it's possible that this was something that remained from uh, the religion of Ismail uh, uh, yani the, you know, from the religion of Ismail with regards to um, what happened to Musa والسلام, because it's authentically reported in Sahih Bukhari that the Prophet وسلم, used to fast this day he went back to the story the Prophet وسلم, used to fast this day of Ashura in Mecca this is authentically reported uh, in, from the hadith of Aisha and Ibn Umar Sahih Bukhari. So when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when uh, the revelation was revealed to him and he mi migrated to Al-Madinah, the Prophet Sallallahu likewise found the, the Jews fasting this day. So once again, it seems that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not know, or the people of Mecca who used to fast this day in Jahiliyyah, they did not know the reason. So when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam migrated to Al-Madinah, he found the Jews fasting on this day. So he questioned them regarding it. So they said, this, this is the day that Allah saved Musa from Fir'aun. Uh, Musa and Bani Israel from Fir'aun. So the Prophet ﷺ said, we are more uh, uh, the word deserving, or we have more right, we have more right uh, to Musa than you. So, um, so the Prophet ﷺ, um, he uh, made it mandatory Prophet ﷺ made it mandatory that this day is fasted. And if anyone uh, woke up on that day, the Prophet, anyone, the Prophet had instructed anyone who did not eat uh, that morning that they continue fasting that day. And anyone who had eaten uh, after the sunrise, that they would immediately uh, uh, stop eating and they would fast for the rest of the day. And then when the, the verses, the obligation for fasting the month of Ramadan was, were revealed, um, the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, with regards to Ashura, whoever wants to fast should fast. So in the beginning, it was an obligation to fast the day of Ashura, but then once uh, the, the fasting of Ramadan became an obligation, then the fasting of Ashura was, uh, it was uh, abrogated to uh, uh, a recommendation. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned uh, the, the fasting of Arafat and the fasting of Ashura. He said that the Prophet with regards to the fasting of Arafat, the Prophet said, I hope from Allah that it would be an expiation of the, the past year's sins and the coming year's sins. That's for Arafat. Fasting on the day of Arafat. As for fasting on the day of Ashura, the Prophet ﷺ said it would be an expiation for the, the, the past year's sins. And likewise, the Prophet ﷺ was very uh, diligent in opposing the ways of the Jews. So, um, 
the Prophet said, if I live till the coming year, I will fast the ninth and the tenth. I will fast the ninth, yani one day before Ashura and Ashura, which is the tenth. So, but indeed the Prophet did not live the following year. He did not live the following year. But just to show you, the Prophet he used to, uh, he encouraged the people to fast and the people encouraged their children to fast and if the children became hungry, they would try to distract them until they would fall asleep or they would complete the, the, the day of fasting. So it is, uh, it is a legislated or it is an established sunnah to fast on this particular day. And so as it relates to the Prophet ﷺ opposing the way of the Jews, the Prophet ﷺ encouraged that, um, um, that one day is fasted before it, which is the ninth. But there is another narration where the Prophet ﷺ said a day before it and a day after it. So that's the ninth and, and the eleventh. So it's possible that an individual can fast three days. Um, so the individual who has the ability to fast three days, it is, is it encouraged, it is encouraged that he does so. And all of these are, are, are good days. The Shaykh Habibullah mentioned, I wanted to, uh, mention this point, um, so that if an individual wanted to fast, uh, uh, this, this, the day of Ashura, then they can catch tomorrow, which is the ninth day. Um, and if an individual wants to take it a step further, then they can fast, uh, three days, which is the ninth, the tenth, and, and the eleventh, uh, for the person who wants to increase in, in his good. يقول السائل حفيظكم الله تعالى ما ما هي أفضل طريقة لتعليم المسلمين كيفية الصلاة الخوف هل الدراسة نعم يقول هل الدراسة يعني أن يعلم بالقدوة يعني بالتطبيق خلال التطبيق والأمثلة أم أم ماذا هذا لا بد من جمع هذه الأمور كما يعرف الناس كيفية القصر في السفر صلي الرباعية ركعتين إذا أمكن تعلم كتابة إذا كان باللغة التي يعرفها المسلم ويعقلها يتعلم كيفية صلاة الخوف بما يكتب من وصف صلاة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ووصف تربيته صلى الله عليه وسلم الصحابة على القيام بهذه العبادة ويوضح لهم أيضا ما يتعذر معه الاجتماع أن يحافظوا على الصلاة ولو فرادا لأن الجماعة لابد أن يكونون يكونون يكون المصلون يصلون خلف إمام فإذا لم يحصل أن يكون هناك جماعة يقتدون بإمام صلوا الصلوات على حسب علمهم بها فرادة أحسن الله إليك the individuals asking is it what's the best um, manner of 
teaching the Muslims to, how to pray the, the prayer of fear? Is it better um, uh, to teach them by example? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, if a person wants to teach um, the prayer of fear, they have to gather uh, all of the, the, the proofs related to this issue. And then they have to teach them as it relates to the, the shortening of the prayer uh, during the journey. Um, so the four units would become two units. If after gathering that information, if they can teach them with written information and in the language that they understand and comprehend, then they would do so. They would suffice by teaching them, uh, explaining them uh, from what is written. So they explain them the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ and how the Prophet ﷺ taught the Sahaba um, and they clarify it for them. Um, and likewise, they should explain to them the importance of uh, the, the, the prayer in congregation. Uh, and as it relates to the, the no, because if, so this should be clarified verbally to them and with that which is written. Because if they want to show them, if they want to show them how it's done in congregation, it has to be done in a congregation behind, behind an imam. Um, but if they don't have the ability to do so, then um, they suffice with praying individually. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى إذا كان الشخص المصلي يصلي خلف السطرة ثم أتى الشخص وأخذ السطرة ماذا على المصلي يتم صلاته إن خشي أن يمر أحد بين يديه وهو يصلي فيدفع الذي يمر بين يديه يعني ما دام أنه هو لم يزل السطرة وإنما تعدى أحد فأزالها يستمر في صلاته ويتمها uh, what is the ruling? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah, he would continue his prayer. And if he fears that someone um, would cross in front of him, then he would stop that individual from crossing in front of him. Because this individual has not removed the sutra himself, but he was praying behind the sutra, and then someone came and took the sutra, so he would uh, continue in his prayer. يتقدم إلى جدار أو إلى العمود إذا كان متيسر عليه التقدم وليس يمضي فترة في الانتقال تقدم وإلا فالأصل الصلاة تصح ولو إلى غير سترة السلام عليك in completion of that question is it permissible for the individual to take steps so that he can once again have another sutra. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, if, he ha- if it's something easy for him to do, and if he does not spend a long time, if he does not spend a long time walking to find another sutra, then it's permissible for him to do so. But if not, then the salat is accepted even without a sutra. والعصر للمسافر العلماء يكرهون جمع 
الجمع يوم الجمعة لكن الصحيح أن من احتاج إلى ذلك وكان في حالة سفر جاز له إذا صلى الجمعة أن يبادر بإلحاق صلاة العصر بالجمعة إذا سلم قام وأدى ركعتين بنية أن هذا العمل هو أداء صلاة العصر أما إذا كان يريد أن يسافر بعد صلاة الجمعة من دار إقامة فإنه لا يجمع وإنما الجمع إذا كان دخوله في الجمعة دخل وهو مسافر فأراد أن يصلي العصر ولنفرض ذلك في مكة مثلا يريد أن يدرك فضيلة الحرم أو في مسجد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في المدينة يريد أن يدرك الأفضلية لا يحرم ذلك ما دام أن الأصل جائز أحسن الله إليك The individual is asking is it permissible for a traveler to combine between uh, the Jum'ah prayer and Al-Asr the Asr prayer um, on Friday The Sheikh said Habib Allah Ta'ala the, 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 the scholars they, they dislike the scholars dislike and they discourage that an individual combines between the Jum'ah prayer and the Asr prayer but what uh, but the correct opinion, Sheikh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but the correct opinion is that if a person is on a journey and he has prayed the Jum'ah prayer, then it is permissible for him to stand and pray two units of the Asa prayer. Um, and he has the intention that, for those two units, that he's praying Asr. Um, but this is for the person who is on the journey. As for the individual who has, is at home, he's a resident, and he has prayed Jum'ah at his home, then it is not permissible for him to pray Salat al-Asr. This is for the individual who is already on a journey. And مثلاً, he's prayed Jum'ah. And the Shaykh gave an example, Habib Allah Ta'ala. For example, someone's in Mecca. Someone's in Mecca and he prays, he's, 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 he's a traveler. So he's traveled to Mecca and he's prayed Salat al-Jum'ah. And now he wants to pray Asr. For مثلاً, he wants to uh, travel or he wants to get the merit of praying Salat al-Asr in the Haram. So it's permissible for him to do so. Likewise, if someone has traveled to Medina and they're there for Salat al-Jum'ah and then they want to travel and they want to get the merits of uh, the prayer and the Prophet's masjid, likewise they can pray uh, Jum'ah and then Salat al-Asr. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى في الركعة الثانية من صلاة الخوف كيف يعرف الإمام بأن جميع المأمومين قد أكملوا صلاتهم هذا صحيح لكن نفرض أن يسمع حركتهم لتنقلهم تكبيرهم في الرفع والركوع والتسميع لأنهم لا يؤدون هذه العبادة في حال صمت لا يصدر منهم ما يدل على أنه عندهم فهذا يحصل لابد منه السلام عليكم The individual is asking in the second unit of prayer 
for the prayer of fear. How does the Imam know that the people who were in the first congregation, the ones that have, should have finished their prayer, how does he know that they have finished their prayer? The Shaykh mentioned Aviv Allah Ta'ala. This is correct. This question is, is accurate. But and he, he knows because there would be voices. There would be voices. There would be movement. There would be sounds of movement. These individuals have... Uh, they've completed their takbir or, or the like, so there would be some type of movement and some type of sound that would indicate to the imam that these individuals have, have, have finished their prayer. Because indeed this prayer is not like, it's not silent, yani this, it's not free of, of sound. So there, it's, it's, there must be some type of sound uh, that the imam hears from them that informs him uh, that these individuals have finished. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى إذا كان المسلم يعمل حارسا في السجن أو نحو ذلك فهل يجوز له أن يصلي صلاة الخوف إذا كان يخشى على نفسه في هذه في هذا العمل إما من السجن أو من من يهاجمه وكانت هذه الخشية في محلها يعني عنده الدليل على حصولها فلا حرج. أحسن الله إليك. The individual is asking if a Muslim is is a works security in a jail or that which is similar. Is it permissible for him to pray the prayer of fear? The Sheikh said, "Habib Allah Taala, if the individual who works in the in the jail or the prison, if he fears um, for himself uh, that he would be." Um, harmed by the, the prisoners uh, or that they would try to um, overpower him um, and this fear is, is accurate it's, it's true that this can take place then there is no harm in him praying the prayer of fear وكذلك حبيبكم الله تعالى إذا كان المسلم مسجون ويخاف إن صلى صلاة كاملة أن يحصل له ضرر فهل يجوز له في هذه الحالة أن يقصر الصلاة؟ إذا كان المسلم مسجون ويخاف على نفسه إن صلى صلاة كاملة أن يحجم عليه فهل يجوز له المسجون أن يصلي صلاة الخوف إذا كان هذا خوف الذي يخافه هو أن يحصل عليه له ما يدل عليه ترخص بقدر بما يؤمنه أما إذا كان يشك أن شيء يحصل مع وجود الرقابة والحراسة فلا ينتقي إلى ذلك بمجرد الخوف الذي ليس له سبب مبين. Assalamu alaikum. The individuals in completion of the, that question, if a Muslim is imprisoned and he fears if he prays the complete prayer that um, some harm for himself, is it permissible for him to pray? The, the prayer of fear. The Sheikh mentioned Aviv Allah Ta'ala. If this, once again, if this fear is justified, if it's actual, then the individual um, prays um, according to his ability, based on the situation. And the Sheikh said Aviv Allah Ta'ala, but if there is actual, if there are guards, if there is some way that the prisoners are being monitored, but he just has a fear, um, you know, his individual fear, then he should not pray the prayer of fear.
يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى ما حكم استعمال لصقة المنع الحمل للمضطرة علما أن أن هذه اللصقة إذا وضعت على الجسم لا يتم لا يتم إزالتها إلا بعد أسبوع من الزمن وقد تحتاج المرء إلى الغسل خلال هذه الفترة فهل يج... هل نقول أن هذه اللصقة مثل الجبيرة أو لابد من إزالتها عند الغسل؟ إذا كانت هي في حاجة إلى هذا هذا الشيء حاجة ملحة وإزالته يرتب عليها مضرة جاز لها استعمالها لكن لابد من تحقق الحاجة الملحة. The individual is asking is it permissible for a female to use some type of badge which um, prevents uh, pregnancy um, and this individual, she, the female is forced to do so uh, knowing that this type of badge or I don't know if it's a type of band-aid or badge um, if it's placed on the skin um, it cannot be removed in order for it to, to work properly it cannot be removed except, except after one week and during that time the female may have to take a ghusl so is this badge considered something that she has to remove or is it similar to uh, like an injury? The Shaykh mentioned if she is truly in need of this, some type of medical reason, she's truly in need of this, um, it, it is sort of like a dire need, then it's no problem in her keeping it. Um, it's permissible for her to use it, but this has to be a, an actual uh, s severe need for her in using this type of uh, medical badge. إذا كان هؤلاء العملاء محتاجين للضغط على هذه الشركة بأن تؤدي ما يجب عليها ولم يرتب على حملاتهم إضرارا بالآخرين فلا حرج إن شاء الله The individual is asking what is the ruling on uh, joining uh, these type of campaigns um, like it's a campaign where you st people coming together and they, they, they assist one another in cutting off a particular company, uh, sort of like boycotting a particular company because the company is not um, offering good services to their customers. And the Sheikh said, Habib Allah if this company um, or if these individuals, if these customers are in need of putting pressure on this company because the company is not doing that which is mandatory for it to do. The company is um, uh, not uh, performing what it's mandatory for the company to perform and them coming together to, to boycott this company does not cause them any harm, then it's permissible for them to um, have a committee in boycotting this company.
يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى في الأسبوع الماضي ورد السؤال في حكم قطع نظام دعم الحياة لمن كان في غيبوبة إذا قرروا يعني الأتباء يعني الأتباء ذلك فماذا يترتب فهل يترتب على الشخص إثم ولماذا لا يعد ذلك قتلا يعني في الأسبوع الماضي ورد السؤال عن قتل نظام دعم الحياة للشخص كان في غيبوبة وأقر الأتباء بأنه في في حكم الميت فهل يعد هذا قتلا لا إذا قرروا لا يجهزون عليه بقفض روح وإنما إذا منعوا عنه الدواء لأن العلاج ليس بواجب حتما العلاج جاهز ولذلك الذين يدخلون الجنة بغير حساب ولا عذاب لا يتداوون ما يتعالجون ولا يأخذون دواء ويتوكلهم على الله جاعلا عندهم أن الذي كتبه الله سيكون والذي منعه لن يكون Individuals asking last week, the individuals asking last week, there was a question about cutting off the life support for a person who was in a coma um, based on the, the reports from the doctors. The individual was saying, is there a sin in doing so? And is this considered killing? The Sheikh said, no, um, because the doctors, they have not, um, the doctors themselves have not killed the individual and the doctors did not cause his life to end. And they, their action was not a direct cause of his life to end. But that which they did was they stopped curing him. They stopped curing him. And seeking a cure is permissible. It's not obligatory. Um, and because of that, um, you have about the 70,000, the hadith about the 70,000 people who were into Jinnah. These individuals do not take uh, medicine. These individuals do not seek cures and they do not take medicine. They put their full trust in Allah and they have uh, complete faith that whatever Allah uh, has written will come about. So these individuals do not uh, take medicine nor do they seek a cure from others. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى هل يجب على من يصلي في الكرسي أن يضع يديه على الأرض في حالة السجود؟ المصلي مأمور بأن يسجد على سبعة الأعظم سبعة الأعضاء إذا صار له عذر في بعض الأشياء فعليه الذي يقدر أن يؤديه به يفعله فإذا فرضنا أنه لا يستطيع أن يسجد ولكن بإمكانه أن يوصل الركبتين إلى الأرض والكفين يفعل لأن النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام يقول إذا أمرتكم بأمر فأتوا منه ما استطعتم ما قال عليكم أن تفعلوه حتما على حسب القدرة فإذا كان الشخص على كرسي لا يستطيع أن يسجد سجودا 
لكنه يستطيع أن يصل بكفيه الأرض فالكفان أحد الأعضاء السبعة الأعضاء السبعة الوجه والكفان والركبتان والقدمان هذه سبعة أعضاء ما قدر أن يوصله إلى الأرض عليه أن يفعله وما تعذر عليه لا حرج عليه If a person is praying in a chair, is it mandatory that they put their hands on the ground when they're making sajda? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, in general, the, the one, the worshiper, is ordered to make prostration on seven limbs. So if an individual doesn't have the ability to make, uh, to use some of his limbs for the prayer, then he would still use that which he has the ability to do. So, مثلاً, if the individual does not have the ability to make a complete sajda with the, the seven limbs, and the shaykh is going to mention them, but he has the ability to do some of his limbs, like his knees and his hands, but he can't do his face or his feet, مثلاً, then he should still um, use the limbs uh, or complete the act of worship to the best of his ability. So the shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so the person prays to the best of his ability. Uh, so, مثلاً, We've, the person has been ordered to, to, to uh, put his seven limbs on the ground, which are his, his face, his two hands, his two knees, and his two feet. But if a person cannot, uh, due to the situation, then he would still put on the ground what, that which he has the ability to, to do. And if he cannot, then there is no harm upon him. ونحمد الله جل وعلا على ما يسر ونسأله سبحانه أن يجعل عملنا خالصا لوجهه مقبولا لديه نافعا لنا في حياتنا وآخرتنا كما نسأله جل وعلا بأسمائه وصفاته أن يعز الإسلام والمسلمين وأن يذل الكفر والكافرين والمنافقين وأن يفرج قربات المكروبين من المسلمين في كل مكان وأن يعاجل من اشتد عليهم الأمر وتفاقم أن يعاجلهم بالفرج العاجل فهو جل وعلا القادر على كل شيء فنسأله سبحانه أن يعجل فرج أهل الشام بالخروج من محنتهم وأن يرينا بالمعتدين عليهم من الروس والإسماعيلية النصيرية والرافضه الاثنى عشريه الموجودين في ايران وفي العراق وفي لبنان ومن يشايعهم وينصرهم ان يرينا جل وعلا بمنه وكرمه الانتقام منهم عاجلا غير عاجل وان يفرج كربات المسلمين الصادقين في اسلامهم في الشام وان يوفقنا واياهم ايضا لصدق التوبه والاخلاص لله في العمل كما نسأله جل وعلا أن يفرج عن المكروبين في بلاد العالم الإسلامي في الشرق في بلاد البوذيين وغيرهم وأن يعاجلهم بلطفه وأحسانه وأن يعاجل مشكلة اليمن بالانفراج الكريم بالانتقام من الرافضة الذين تمدهم أيران وتسعى 
لتثبيتهم واصطناعها لهم أن يرين فيهم وفيها ما يرضي كل مؤمن ويذل ويذل كل كافر ومشرك كما أرسله جل وعلا للمملكة العربية السعودية أن يوفق ولاة أمرها لحسن حمايتها وصيانتها وإقامة الحق فيها ونصرته وإذلال الباطل في كل مكان وأن يوفق الله ولي أمرنا للأخذ على أيدي السفهاء ودعاة التغريب وأن يحقق للبلاد ولمن يحل بها من المسلمين من كل مكان أن يحقق لهم الأمن والأمان والإطمئنان على أنفسهم وعلى دينهم وحياتهم إنه سبحانه مجيب الدعاء وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا The Shaykh Hafif Allah Ta'ala concluded by praising Allah Azza wa Jal for that which he has made easy and we ask Allah to make our actions sincerely for his face and accepted by him and beneficial for us in this life and the hereafter. We ask Allah with his names and attributes to give might and glory to Islam and to debase disbelief and to give ease to the Muslims who are being oppressed in different parts of the world. Um, ask Allah Azza wa Jal to give ease to the people of Syria and to allow them to uh, uh, be removed from their calamity. We ask Allah to uh, show his might against the, the Rafida and uh, Russia and those, the Rafida who are present in Iran and Iraq and Lebanon and uh, likewise against those who support them. We ask Allah to show us his might and anger against them uh, and we ask Allah for us and for them to give us success and true repentance and that our actions are sincere. We ask Allah to give the Muslims who are being pressed in different countries um, uh, in Asia and Buddhist countries to give ease to them and to give a quick rectification to the affair of Yemen um, and to show his anger against the Rafida who are supporting uh, the, the, the group in Yemen, the Houthiyun, and um, to show us um, that which is pleasing to every believer and that which saddens every disbeliever. And uh, we ask Allah for Saudi Arabia to give them success in protecting the aqidah and uh, assisting and supporting the truth and debasing the, the falsehood. Uh, and ask Allah to give the government success to capture the, those who uh, seek to cause harm and fitna in the country and likewise those who want to westernize the country and that Allah uh, allows all countries, all Muslim countries to have success uh, and safety in their religion and in their honor and in their uh, worldly affairs. Uh, verily Allah is the one to answer the call of our last supplication is all praise be to Allah, the Lord of the world and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon Muhammad, his family members and companions.